Hi, my name is Kyle Bomstead and I'm a member here with Restored Church. Uh, if you're new, we want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. Uh, we believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to, so we would love the opportunity to be able to connect with you. Uh, if you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website at restoredtemecula.church and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. Uh, with all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. I'm excited about this morning. Brad Sarian's with us. Last week, we, we talked about spiritual gifts, if you were with us. And if you remember, we talked about the reality that, that if you were to kind of like read the tag of the gift that God gives through spiritual gifts, we listed a bunch of them. We talked about how, how those gifts, they're from God, they're to you, but they're for others, right? And, and it's God's desire to, to communicate love to people through you, through the gifts that he's given you. He genuinely wants people to encounter him through you. It's, it's his spirit at work through you. And I say that not to just reference last week, but I want to put that in the forefront of your mind because God's going to do that again this week. Um, let me read to you out of Ephesians chapter four. It says this, and he, the he there is Jesus. And Jesus himself gave, that's gift giving language, isn't it? He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Why? Equipping the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into spiritual maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So hear me. God's desire is to mature you and me. And one of the ways that he does that is he uses other people as a vehicle for his spirit to operate through them, the gifts that he gives other people to bless you so that you would experience his love. Those gifts from God to you for others. The reason I say that is because my close friend Brad Sarian's with us this morning. And Brad is, I really believe he's an Ephesians 4 teacher. He's got a lot of spiritual gifts, but when I say teacher, I don't mean just that he's a, a, a good communicator, although he really is. I don't just mean that he's like entertaining to listen to, although he is. I don't just mean that he's got a good personality, he can, he can work a mic, like work a room. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I'm saying that he's an Ephesians 4 teacher because people learn. He really is such a gift to the body of Christ. And, and hear me. I asked him to come preach this message because, hear, that, hear me when I say this, one of my favorite things about Brad is that I think he, he stepped into his identity as a son, he stepped into his identity as a leader, as a teacher, as an evangelist, as, as many gifts, but him operating in his teaching gift, it's coming from a place of him going to the Lord to be taught by his rabbi, by his Lord, by his Savior, by Jesus. And so this morning's message is one that um, one of my favorite things to do with Brad is ask him like, hey, so what's like, what's Jesus teaching you? Because the, his relationship with God is a deep one. It's an intimate one. It's a yielded one. And in, from that space, God will literally 
increase his revelation through God, through his word, through the scriptures, and then he's generous with that gift in, in, in teaching and preaching and instructing the body of Christ. Brad leads our sister church up in Los Angeles, Restored LA. He's a close, close friend of mine, one of my closest friends. He's a gift to the body of Christ. And I'm telling you this morning, he has a word for us. Buckle up, okay? It's, it's really, really important. And I think it's really, really timely. And hear me, I think the result of this is going to be hopefully an increased awareness of the glory of Jesus, his kindness, his goodness, but him beckoning us to follow him in ways with which can sometimes be uncomfortable that are so worth it, okay? So because we're people of grace and grace is getting what you don't deserve, before he says a word, will you just erupt with applause and love for our brother? Come on up, Brad. Uh, I'm going to pray for Brad, and then we'll get the party started. Jesus, thank you for the ways that you love us. Um, thank you for the care that you always provide. Thank you that you're always faithful. No matter what, you're always faithful. But you call us into more, into maturity, into becoming more like you, Jesus. That means leaving things behind. That means stepping into the new. And so I pray that that's what each one of us would do this morning. I pray that you'd use Brad, fill him with your spirit. Help us to receive gifts from you through him to us. You to receive all the glory, Jesus. And in gratitude, we say together, amen. amen. Love amen. you, dude. Love you. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to see you all. Um, my wife, Sarah, is with me today. My kiddos, Micah and Emma. I think this is the first... I usually preach like once a year-ish here, but this is the first time we took the whole crew um, and... Yeah, just thrilled. We got to go to South Africa um, together, uh, Tom and Paul and Noah and Amelia and my son Micah back a few months ago. And so when I told my son, I was like, hey, I'm preaching at Temecula. He was like, can I go, please? And so I was stoked to to hang. Um, But yeah, it's a joy to be here. Um, My name is Brad Sarian. I'm lead pastor with Restored LA. And uh, Christmas is coming. I hope you know that. Uh, If not, it's time to buy presents. Uh, You've got about two weeks or so. Um, Two years ago, two Christmases ago, uh, my wife and I were talking about what kind of gifts to get for our kids, and uh, our kids are really into Dude Perfect. It's like a, okay, there you go. It's like, for those of you who didn't do this, yes, um, they are a YouTube group of like five guys. They do trick shots and jokes. It's actually like pretty decently funny for adults, Um, and so... Dude Perfect was going on tour uh, that that June, so it was like June of 2022, um, that they were going on tour. Because of COVID restrictions, they weren't going all the way to LA, they were going to Vegas, and so um, another family in our church, they wanted to go to the the tour. So we decided we're going to buy our kids tickets that for, you know, they'd have to wait six months for their Christmas presents to arrive. Uh, But we gave it to them that Christmas morning, like fake little tickets, like we're going in June or July, whatever it was. And they were thrilled. And the countdown began, a like six-month countdown. For ki- that's a long time for all of us, for kids. It's like, that's halfway to the next Christmas. Um, and, and so they were very excited. Um, the morning comes, we wake up, and my boy walks out and visibly is sick. 
And we're like, there's no way. And, and usually kids lie and pretend they're sick when they're healthy. He was lying that he was healthy when he was sick. He's, he's shaking. He's got, he's got the chills and a, and a fever. He's like, I can't wait for Jude Perfect today, Daddy. And I was like, yo, we did the temperature, 103 fever. And, and it wasn't just in L.A. Like, we would have had to drive to Vegas, like, with, with his sickness. And so um, we made the very difficult call. We're, we're not going to go. And so all four of us sat on the couch and cried together after six months of looking forward to it. So Christmas of last year came around, and guess what? Dude Perfect was going on tour again the following June. And so we knew it was a little risky, but this is last Christmas. We're like, let's try again. Let, let's get them Dude Perfect tickets. They're coming to LA. We're, we're going to give it a go. And so um, I was at work. I was in my office. I called my wife, and I said, hey, babe, I'm going to buy the tickets now. Um, and she's like, how much are they? I was like, well, like in the middle section, the, the, the seats are about $100. Uh, it'll, it'll just be me and the kids. So three of us, 300 bucks, taxes. And she was like, ah, that's a lot. I was like, I know, but remember, like last year, we didn't get to go. And so we're talking. She's like, okay, let's go for it. So I hang up, and um, I'm on Ticketmaster, and I'm about to check out with the three seats that I had that were about 100 bucks. And, and all of a sudden, I feel like the Holy Spirit highlights three seats toward the very front. Not two seats, not four seats, but there's three empty seats right next to the stage. And I hover over, as you do, and it says $155 a ticket. And I was like, whoa, these are great seats. And my kids, they didn't get to go last time. And, and, and these seats are probably going to go quick. So I, I, I threw them in the cart and, and I proceeded to, to check out. Um, as I'm doing so, I'm just telling myself what an incredible dad I am. Like, my kids, are, they deserve this. You know, they're pastor's kids. They have to sacrifice a lot. I'm just telling myself, all those, the Spirit of God clearly showed me these three seats. To, you know, and, and so I, I did it. And in the back of my head, it's like, hey, maybe you should call Sarah. It's like, I, nah, like, she'll be stoked about this. And so I check out, and, um, you know, with taxes, it, it was more than 50 bucks a seat. And so it happens. I check out, done, get back to sermon prep, prepping my sermon. And I feel like the Spirit of God taps me on the shoulder. I was like, hey, are we going to tell Sarah about that? She has access to the bank account. If she wants to look, she could see. It's not a secret, you know. Um, and I, I just keep doing my thing. And I feel like the Spirit of God is just like, hey, I, you, you need to tell your wife. I'm like, she, I, the, no, I, she's, she would have said yes anyways. That's why, you know, and I, I, I'm like, we're good, we're good. So I got home that night and I'm kind of wrestling with it. I'm like, you know, if she asks, if she happens to ask, if I paid for a more seat, then, you know, I'll, I'll say yes, but she didn't ask. And the next day goes by and the next day goes by and I start feeling a weight. I need to tell my wife. And then I'm justifying. I'm like, I didn't cheat on her. I didn't do anything crazy. I'm like, I'm blessing my kids. I'm doing this whole game. And I finally get to the spot where I'm like, hey, babe. It's like two days later. I said, good news. (laughs) There were three seats in the front. Remember our kids missed it last year, how awful that was, how they deserve an incredible Christmas present. And I'm going to go with them. So obviously I want to sit closer. And so... um, I tell her the whole thing, and she was like, how much more were they? I was like, well, about 50 bucks each. She was like, so, so with taxes, like close to 200 extra dollars that we had agreed on. I was like, yeah, but I mean, you know, remember last year, you know, I did the whole thing. And she was like, 
babe, you lied to me. I was like, whoa, 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 lied to you? No, like, I, you didn't ask me, and I, I, was, I told you, I just told you right now, I didn't get caught, like, what do you mean I lied to you? She said, you, you lied to me, you said that, that seats were about 100 bucks, and that's not what you paid, and it took you a couple days, like, that, that's, that's tough to process. And I started justifying, I was like, what would happen if I really lied to you? You know, I started doing all this crazy stuff in my head. And, and then after a couple minutes, I got to the space where I said, okay, you're right. I'm sorry, I lied to you. Will you please forgive me? Yes, thank you. And then an awkward night as it is. Tonight we're, today we're going to be talking about living in the light. Becoming honest disciples of Jesus Christ. This is a message that has weighed heavy on me for this past year. It was, that was last Christmas that God began to reveal a thing. When, you're, when your wife looks at you in the eyes and goes, you lied to me. There's something, na- I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm the guy who's not supposed to lie. And, 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 I, and I'm like, I don't know if that was just a one-off thing. I wonder if there's more in here that can kind of fudge the numbers tends to exaggerate, tells, tells a few half-truths. And so I, I've spent a, a good chunk of this year asking Jesus to change me, to make me a man who speaks honestly and truthfully at all times. I've been pastoring for about 16 years. I talk with people all the time, people who constantly are telling me, man, I feel far from God. Over this past year, I've begun to wonder, Do we feel far from God? Maybe, because many of us are walking in darkness. Maybe, not always, but maybe we feel far from God because there's lies, because there's secrets, because there's things we've buried down long enough, and God exists in the light. This message is not going to be a fun one. Bring me back next year and I'll do something more fun. But, but it's an absolutely essential one for all of us. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with everything we are, heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Hear me, you cannot love God and you cannot love people if you're walking in lies. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 John for a little bit this morning. 1 John chapter 1. John talks about this light and darkness. I left my preaching Bible at my office, so I brought the big guy in this podium struggling. <laughs> there we go. We'll see. First um, John chapter one, verse five. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Well, or I could do um, maybe just maybe another one. Thanks, dude. <clears throat> this I, I I bought it off Amazon. It's a great Bible, but when I got it, I was like, yeah, it's a little too big. Um, First John chapter one, verse five. Thanks, dude. I think I did this last time. Thanks. Perfect. Yeah, that's sturdy. All right. First John one, five. 
This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. God is light. When he talks about light, he's talking about truthfulness and transparency. This is who God, God has no secrets. There's mysteries, a lot of them, but there's no secrets. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. There's no dishonesty, there's no lying, there's no hiding. Verse six, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. So if I say, oh, God and I, we are so close. I was at the prayer meeting every Tuesday, every Thursday. I sing with my hands open. I journal every night. I'm in this deep Bible study. We are intimate. But you have secrets. You're you're walking in darkness. You're you're lying. The truth is not in you, as he will say. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What good news. It does not say if we walk in perfection, then Jesus loves us. If we walk in perfection, then he'll forgive us. It says if we walk in the light. If we walk openly, honestly, and transparently, then... We have fellowship with him. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. You ever met someone who, who thinks there's no sin in them? I've met one guy. He was a street preacher. It was a long story. I, I, I usually, I'm not in Vegas that often, but it was in Vegas. <laughs> I was with my family. My family grew up going to Vegas on family vacations. I don't know what, but that's what we did. Um, and I remember I was like in a high school or college and there was a street preacher and he was like, you're going to hell. I was like, whoa, I work at a church. I don't think I'm going to hell. And he was like, you're going to hell because you're in Vegas. I was like, well, you are too. So we'll be there together. Um, and I, I told him about something. I was like, dude, you're in sin. He was like, I don't, I've never sinned. I was like, whoa, I should have known this verse. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. John is not expecting perfection. John knows that all of us struggle with sin. So we, we can be honest about that. This is, a, this is a safe place for all of us to go, I'm a mess. If you can't say that, the truth is not in you. You're deceiving yourself. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is this morning's sermon maybe going to be a little hard? Yeah, but verse 9 is really sweet news. No matter what you've got, no matter what you came in this room with, if we confess our sins, Jesus, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do I know that? Because he died for me when I was his enemy. He didn't die for me after I confessed. He didn't die for me after I began walking in the light. He died for me when I was his enemy, and the same is true for you. 
And as he died on the cross, he goes, confess, walk in the light, come to me and you have forgiveness. You have grace upon grace. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Walking in the light, this is, this is vital to the Christian life. That, that there is no Christian life apart from this. And yet we're so easily deceived that sometimes we can play games. We, we can play games with ourselves the same way I did with my wife, with Dude Perfect. Man, I had so many good justifications. Ah, it's not that big of a deal. What, ah, yeah, what, it's not this, it's not that. I was walking in darkness. Jesus invites us into light. Now, the problem is many of us, when we hear about lying, I think the room gets immediately divided. Um, Some of us, we're we're just well aware. There's lies and there's secrets we're living in. From the moment I started talking, you're like, this is not going to be good. Others of us are like, not me, Brad. I'm, I do walk in the light. I got no lies. I'm fully transparent. I, haven't, I don't even know if I've ever lied, right? Um, you're probably more dangerous. There, there's a lot of different types of lies. And this is where we're, we're incredible. Um, there's the bold-faced lie. Your boss asks you, hey, did you turn in that project already? Yep. You didn't. Like, like, like. Direct question, direct lie. We all, we all know that, right? And now some of us in this room, I, I, I genuinely, as I've like thought through my own life over the last years, as far as I can think, I can't remember the last time I told a bold-faced lie. Praise God. Now, some of you are like, what about the dude perfect story? It's like, yeah, well, that's a different type of lie. It wasn't a bold-faced lie, right? There are other types of lies. Um, lies of exaggeration, guilty. I mean, think about it. We even use other words so that we don't have to say we lied. Oh, I exaggerated. Did you tell the truth? No. That's called a lie. It's like, no. Exaggeration. I, I caught myself yesterday, or more so the Holy Spirit highlighted this to me yesterday. My son, it was Saturday, Sabbath, we're hanging out. He and I had already gone on a date. I do dates every other week with the kids. He and I had already gone to a date. We did our Jamba Juice and then basketball. We did the whole thing. And then after we get home from that, he's like, Dad, can we do the Rubik's Cube competition? Now, he's really into Rubik's Cube. He has three different Rubik's Cubes, and I sit there, and he times himself, and he does this whole thing. It's great. He can do it in 25 seconds. It's remarkable. Um, but he asked if we could do the competition, and I said, no, buddy. That takes about an hour, and we don't have enough time for that today. And he looks at me like this, because we've done it several times. He's like, an hour? I was like, yeah, pretty much. And I leave, and I just feel like that was, I mean, it's not even close. It might be about 20 minutes. But I exaggerated. I exaggerated to myself. I told myself it's an hour. We don't have time for that. And and so I had to go back to my son because I was preaching on this text the next morning. (laughs) And said, hey, my boy, let's do the Rubik's Cube competition. I'm sorry. I totally exaggerated. It's not going to take an hour. I'm sorry. And we sat down and did it. Um, Half-truths. We're really good at this. Hey, sorry I was late. I lost my keys. Really? You did lose your keys for about 30 seconds. You were 20 minutes late. We do this. 
And we're so good at it, right? Projecting a false image is a lie. I, mean, I think that could be the tagline for almost every social media account. Just projecting a false image. Remember I heard a pastor say he gets jealous looking at his own Instagram feed? He's like, whoever this is, this guy's incredible. We, we so often do that. We project false images. Um, hiding and omission, right? This is my dude perfect lie. It was a hiding one. It was like, I'll tell her if, if my wife point blank asked me, hey, did you actually get more expensive tickets? And I would absolutely have said yes. We play this game all the time. It's like, nobody asked me. It's not other people's responsibility. And then gossip is another famous lie. Gossip is lying. Why? Well, we go, well, I, I, this is true. I just need to tell other people about this guy. It's like, and I would have said this to his face. It's like, have you said this to his face? No. Okay, so, so you're, you're participating in a lie, even if it's true, because you wouldn't do this if they were here. So, so there's tons of different lies, and we are now all guilty, right? You were all judging me for the dude perfect story at the beginning, but now we're all kind of like, oh, okay, we, we're all in this together. Why is it so difficult to be honest? Why is, why is no one here right now going like, this isn't for me? Why is it so difficult to be honest? Why is it so difficult just to speak truth constantly? Here's one reason. Um, we are naturally self-deceived. We're just naturally self-deceived. And if I'm naturally self-deceived, if I don't even have a fully accurate picture of who I am, it's going to be really hard for me to articulate who I am and what I do. Jeremiah 17.9, this is one of those classic fun passages. Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Now, for the Bible theologians in the room, this is in the Old Covenant, Brad. This is before the Spirit of God saves us and sanctifies us and fills us up, makes us people of truth, new creation. Yes, but we all know there's still some remnants of this. And, and I've never met a Christian who doesn't read that and go, yeah, that, that's more true than I wish it was. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? One of the biggest deceptions we have is that we understand ourselves really well. There's a better chance your close friends know more about you and understand you more than you know about you. This is why companies have 360 reviews. They don't ask you, hey, how are you doing? You're like, I'm doing great. It's like, well, your boss thinks you're doing awful, that you're... The people under you think you're awful and your coworkers don't like you. You're like, that's weird. They're all wrong. <laughs> we are naturally self-deceived. Jonathan Haidt, um, he's a secular dude. He's a professor at New York University, brilliant psychologist. In his book, The Righteous Mind, he says this, we lie, cheat, and justify so well that we honestly believe we are honest. You're so good at lying that you think you don't lie. That's a secular non-Christian dude. He's like, this is true of all of us. Uh, I read a book uh, several years ago, Everybody Lies by Seth Stevens Davidowitz. 
funny, secular, not a Christian book. It's called Everybody Lies. And, and, and he's like a social scientist dude where he basically takes all the data. By the way, every time you Google search stuff, people have information of all that stuff. And they track it all and they know everything about you. So um, he took all of the data, not all of it, but took big data and began looking at what people truly Google and what people truly say. And through a different lens. It's, it's wild, right? And one of the things he said was Netflix. Netflix has learned how much we deceive ourselves. It's kind of a, a lengthy quote, but listen, it's fun. He says, Netflix learned a similar lesson early on in its life cycle. Don't trust what people tell you. Trust what they do. Originally, the company allowed users... We know Netflix. You watch TV shows? Okay. Originally, the company allowed users to create a queue of movies they wanted to watch in the future but didn't have time for at the moment. This way, when they had more time, Netflix could remind them of those movies. However, Netflix noticed something odd in the data. Users were filling their queues with plenty of movies. But days later, when they were reminded of the movies on the queue, they rarely clicked. What was the problem? Ask users what movies they plan to watch in a few days and they will fill the queue with aspirational, highbrow films such as black and white World War II documentaries or serious foreign films. A few days later, however, they will want to watch the same movies they usually want to watch, lowbrow comedies or romance films. People were constantly lying to themselves. Guilty? I, I, we don't watch, I don't, we don't have Netflix, but I have a, my one social media account I have is Goodreads. It's books. It's like what book I'm reading, what books I want to read. I, after reading this, I looked at my what I want to read in my Goodreads account. Oh, they're East of Eden by John Steinbeck. 1984, George Orwell. Those have been in my want to read for over a year. I even own some of these books. I don't want to read them. I want you to look at the list that I say I want to. I think I want to read it. We, we do this to ourselves. So, so of course I'm going to lie in conversations when I lie to myself all day long. This is a natural thing that happens. Another reason why it's so difficult for us to be honest is we care so much what other people think about us. Isn't, isn't this one of the driving factors of our lives? We care desperately what people think about us. And please hear me. Don't ever trust someone who tells you they don't care what people think about them. You, you ever said that or heard somebody say that? I don't care what anybody thinks of me. It's like, really? That's, that's one of the main characteristics of a psychopath. <laughs> that you don't care what anyone thinks of you. So run from that person. Seriously. We care what people think of us. And it's a good thing that we care what people think of us to a degree. But oftentimes it masters us. Oftentimes it, it absolutely cripples us because we care too much what people think of us. Have you guys, um, I, I saw uh, the Jimmy Kimmel, they do the lie witness news. It's one of the most heartbreaking, awkward segments ever. And I don't even know if it's fully real. Who knows what's real on TV? But it's real enough. Where, where Jimmy Kimmel, it's like a late night TV show. They send out um, these people on the streets. And, and this one was for like one of the big music festivals. And as people are walking into the music festival, 
they have a guy you know, on a camera and he's making up band names and asking the people coming in if they're excited to see these bands. As you can imagine, they're all very excited. I mean, he, he's like, hey, hey, you have a second to talk? He's like, yeah, hey, um, DJ Gluten's going to be here. What do you think? Like, oh, yeah, I love DJ Gluten. I'm a big fan. I listen to all his songs on Spotify. And they just go for it. These are all made-up names. And we watch and we cringe because we would do the same thing. How often do we do that when somebody in the workplace is like, hey, did you see that? that? Did you see that show? Hey, did you read that thing? Did you hear that band? Do you know that song? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. We even, we, we push each other into these corners. I've been, the more I've been chewing on this for the past year, oftentimes you know, people start sentences off like this. They're really famous. Everybody knows them. Have you heard of them? It's like, well, this is weird. Of course I've heard of them. You just told me everyone's heard of them. We're like, are agreeing before we've heard the name of the band. We're like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Because we just don't want to look stupid. We, we don't want to look like we're out of the know. In, in John 12, Jesus says this can actually be a reason why some of us stay away from him. This is one of the ways that prevents us from coming to know him. We see it in some of the early people. In John 12, verse 42, it says, nevertheless, many did believe in him, even among the rulers. Some of the main religious leaders were, were seeing Jesus. They're like, I think he's the Messiah. They believed in him. Um, even among the rulers. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. People were seeing Jesus in the flesh. They were seeing Jesus doing miracles, hearing his teaching that was life-changing. They were like, I think he's the one. And yet they wouldn't openly confess it because they knew that if they did, they'd be removed from the synagogues. They would lose their social networks. And that was too Beautiful to them, more beautiful than Jesus. Our fear of man and caring too much what people think about us prevents us from telling the truth. And one of their main reasons is we lie because it seems to benefit us in the short run. Just no duh, right? When, when, when the boss asks, hey, did you submit that proposal? Yes. Because I'm afraid of getting fired. Yes. Hope it doesn't get found out. We believe in the, it, it's going to help us lying when in the end it always destroys us, even if we get away with it. Even if we get away with it. So, so what does it look like? Okay, so this is why it's difficult for us to tell the truth. How do we become an honest community? How do we become an honest community? Because friends, um, you live in the suburbs. We do too. We're LA, but it's the suburbs of LA where we're at. There's, there's just something about the suburbs and, and maybe not everybody, but the just that, that projection of the false image, it just feels so real when you're driving through the streets and everything looks so pretty and clean. I mean, you guys, you have it way more cleaner than we do. So much of my kids were like, this is really nice, Dad. I was like, I know. They're like, no one's walking around. I was like, I know. I saw the sign, no soliciting on this. Like, you can't ask for food and stuff on the streets. L.A. is a little different there. Um, 
there's a projection oftentimes. So how do we grow into people that begin to speak the truth all the time, even when it's costly? Here's, here's the first thing I think we must do. We need to admit that we lie more often than we even realize. Like all of us. We, we need to admit it. And this is scary. Like, like I know you as a restored church, this is a safe place. And one of the most beautiful things we hear all the time about our church, man, I just could be me. I showed up. I shared my sin. No one rejected me. They welcomed me in. They loved me. They pointed me back to Jesus. Yes and amen. People are like, I shared a porn addiction I've been wrestling with for years, a drinking problem, an issue in my marriage, all this stuff. And people just came around me and loved me. It was incredible. Right? When's the last time somebody in GC was like, hey, I have a problem telling the truth? Like, I feel like I just keep lying. Here's why that's really awkward to say. Because everyone in that moment is like, mm. you struggle to tell the truth, do you? Don't trust him. He's like, oh yeah, trust all the other liars who don't even think they lie? Like, like isn't that what we're all admitting? This is something we struggle with. The more I talk about this with people, people are like, yeah, this is rough. I do, the, I do exaggerate all the time. And statistics, one of the books I read says you lie on average 3.3 times every 10-minute conversation you have. Some of you are like, I talked for 20 minutes this morning. Yes, seven lies. This isn't like, yeah, it's, it's gnarly. What would it be like to be the person who's like, hey, I struggle with this. I keep catching myself exaggerating. I keep catching myself lying. And then to be welcomed and loved in the community. Because this is, this is real. This is what we struggle with. But most of us were like, oh, I'd rather trust someone who didn't tell me they struggle with lying. It's wild. I trust someone who tells me they lie. Like I remember um, years back, one of the people in our church, he, he was preaching. He was giving one of his first sermons. And uh, we do this thing oftentimes where if you, before you preach your first sermon, you preach to a small group of people. This guy preached to a small group. There were like eight of us in my living room. And in one of the stories, he, he's telling the story. Um, uh, he told a story about Niagara Falls. It was like an illustration or something. And at the end, at end of the, the night, his wife says, um, did you go? You, you told that story as if you've been to Niagara Falls. Have you been? You know, you're, whenever a husband and wife start like talking, you're like, uh-oh. Um, and he's like, yeah, I went back in college, right? So he's like, yeah, you know, the road trip thing with friends. And, he went, and she's like, whoa, I didn't even know that about you. And you're like, should we leave? Like, I don't know. Um, and, 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 and three hours later, we get a text message from him to everybody who was there. Hey, guys, this is really awkward. I've never been to Niagara Falls. I feel like I was like, I don't know. I just wanted to like impress you guys. I don't know why I said that. But I said it, and I'm really sorry. This is like the night before he's going to go preach, which is fun, right? Here's, here's two reactions. You go, ugh, bad man, never trusting him again. Or you can go, I've done really stupid things just like that, and now I trust him more. Those are our options. Could we be a community that goes, you know what? I know I just told that awkward story about Niagara Falls. I've just never been. I've got an issue. 
I wanted you to like me and think I'm cooler than I am, and I'm just not. What would it look like if men and women outside this community got to experience that? Think about your neighbors who live complete lives their entire lives, terrified that if they were fully known, they could never be loved, and they could meet a community where their lives come out, and they could still be loved and shown grace. Would we be a people who can admit that we lie more often than we realize? The second way that we can grow into truthfulness is to become slow to speak and quick to listen. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. This is James 1.9. Not James 1.9, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone, that's you and me, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak. As I've evaluated my tendencies toward stretching the truth, toward exaggerating, toward half-truths, toward lying, most of them come because I'm quick to speak. Again, I can't remember the last time I, I bold-faced lied to somebody. But I'm just, I love telling stories. And you know stories are really a lot better when you stretch the truth a bit. Traffic wasn't 20 minutes, it was three hours long. <laughs> like, be slow to, I get myself into trouble because I'm quick to speak and slow to listen. I've been trying this year going, Jesus, teach me to be a man who's slow to speak. Well. Well, what if I'm not as funny? I mean, a, a good chunk of my humor is my wit, my quick. I, I get, I, people are saying something, I jump in there. Ah, it's, it's, it, you don't want to be the guy six seconds later who's like, and, ah. it's like, not funny, we've already moved on. It's, it's a quick that gets things. What if I'm less funny because I'm slower to speak? What if I'm less engaging because I'm slower to speak? Well, if it prevents me from lying and it helps me walk in the truth, I want to do it. I, I have my journal. I, I, I pick a new journal every f- three months, so four times a year. I, quarter one, quarter two, three, four. And each, each quarter, I, I pick a specific area of my life to work on, to grow into holiness. First Timothy 4, 7 is a, is a main passage for my life. Train yourself for godliness. You will never drift into godliness, my friends. You have to train yourself for it. Paul's telling Timothy, train yourself for godliness. So, so one of the disciplines I have is every three months, I'm training myself for godliness in specific areas. I've got a billion to grow in. I'm never going to run out of content. And, 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 and my, for quarter three of this year, was specifically working on this. My, my goal, I, I would write out, was this, to tame my tongue by only speaking graciously and truthfully to and about people. And every single night, except for the nights I missed, I have my check marks. And my, I would ask myself these questions. Did I lie or exaggerate today? I'm looking at week six, seven days, six times I had check marks. Yo, that, that's me actively working on it. Six out of seven times I exaggerated. Some of you are like, why should we trust you? Because I'm telling you. 
I'm working on this. I asked myself, did I gossip or did I speak negatively about someone? I shouldn't have picked this week. This was six out of seven as well. I think I got better. There's five. There we go. Um, Please hear me. If, If you're not actively training for truthfulness, you're lying all the time. Would we be a people who go, I'm, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to become a person who speaks slowly, who evaluates the answers before I just shout them out. And the last way to become a more honest and truthful person is that we must trust God with the outcome of our radical honesty. This is hard. Why do we lie? Because we don't trust that God is good. Because we don't trust that God can still love us. Because we don't think that God can still have us if the truth really came out. We do this in our lives. Maybe you get into a car accident because you were texting. It's your fault, but... Technically, no one knew you were texting, and it was a little gray, and so you can kind of tell the story in such a way that it wasn't your fault. Because, man, well, if, if this is my fault and insurance raises, and this is, man, I can't even pay the bills already, and this is, God doesn't want me to be struggling more than I already am, and, and, and so I'll, I'll just kind of say what I, is, is a partial truth, because I can't trust God with the outcome of my full honesty. I know I just made a mistake where I cost my company $15,000, but, but nobody knew it was actually my fault, and, and it was kind of a team effort, but I know it was pretty much me, and nobody asked me specifically if that was my fault, so I just, I'm going to kind of keep it in the dark, because what if they found out and I got fired? I can't trust God with my future. A porn addiction, an adulterous affair, drinking problems, gambling. No, no, I have to keep this to myself because if the truth came out, how would my spouse react? What if they left me? What would this do to my kids? What, what, what if I lost my job over these issues? I, I can't trust God with this. Some have actually done evil criminal actions of abuse and you got away with it. Maybe it was 20 years ago and you go, that that was the old me. I have to suppress that. Nobody knows. And ultimately, if I came out with that, I mean, prison might happen. I I can't trust God with, with, with that. Can we trust him with the outcome, even of our honesty? No matter what. To where even a potential loss of a spouse or a job or time in prison is worth it so that you can know and be intimate with God again. You aren't intimate with God as you walk in the darkness. You, you can lie to yourself. No, 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 this isn't a big deal. Not... It's fine. I've experienced God in other things, so clearly you can't be too mad. 
about 10 years ago, when we were all still in San Diego, pastoring restored San Diego, there was a husband and wife <clears throat> who had just started coming to the church. And they seemed like really excited about God, even though they didn't know much about Jesus. And they were trying to figure all this stuff out. They had a baby and they were like, you know, they came to church because they're like, we got to raise this kid to know rules, basically, you know. And so um, as they started hearing the gospel, though, they were like, this is good news. The husband first put his faith in Jesus and he got baptized, which was wild because they seemed to be on the same page with all this Jesus stuff. But, but, but he was like, I'm ready. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to get baptized. I, I, I'm in. And we're like, hey, talking to the wife, we're like, do you want? Do you want to too? She's like, no, I'm so excited for him, but like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet, but I'm, I'm so excited for him. We're like, okay, cool. So, so we baptize him, huge celebration. Every Sunday, I mean, she would just sit there weeping during the sermons. Musical worship time, she's just weeping. We're like, I think the spirit of God is doing something. What is going on? You're like, hey, are you, do you want Jesus? Yeah, I want Jesus. I'm just not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. We're like, okay, we're not going to, whatever. I was hanging out with Andy one night, who was the lead pastor of San Diego. And the husband calls him and says, I need you to come over right now. He's like, I'm with Brad, can we come? And he's like, yeah. So he and I roll over to the house. We get there and husband and wife are sitting on the couch and they're both just weeping. She goes on to tell us that a couple of years before she had cheated on him with another man. And she had kept that a secret and was going to take it to her grave. As she started hearing about Jesus, she knew that if she wanted Jesus, this secret would have to come out. She said, tonight was the last night I walk in secrecy. I want Jesus. I'm terrified about my husband and my baby. I don't know what he's going to do. He might leave me. I don't know. But I need Jesus. I want him so badly that I need to walk in the light. Even if it costs me everything. And we sat there. And we wept with them. We prayed for them. The husband. He, he had been just saved for like three months or something like that. To get news like that as a new Christian... He looks at his wife and says, I don't know how I'm going to process all this. It's going to take me a long time. But if Jesus has forgiven me of everything, I'm going to forgive you for this. And we just sat there overwhelmed. Overwhelmed in his joy. Just going, oh my Jesus, like he's, he's worth it. He's worth it. Friends, I know that's a, a terrifying story because it's not always a guarantee that it's going to happen that way. But what I love and the reason I tell that is because her boldness, her faith, her being wooed by Jesus, she's going, it will be worth it. No matter what happens, walk in the light. Bring it into the light. One of the most devastating lies in all of Scripture is the night when Jesus Christ is arrested and betrayed. Peter's trying to stay close to Jesus. He's following a little bit behind, but they start asking Peter, hey, you, you were with the man. You, you knew Jesus, didn't you? 
Jesus, Peter three times goes, I don't know the man. The rooster crows and Peter runs out and weeps bitterly. All of us have lies. Can you imagine walking intimately with Jesus for three years, being one of Jesus' best friends, and on the night of his greatest need, you say, I don't even know him. That's a rough lie. And yet after Jesus Christ is crucified, and he's risen, and he appears on the beach, what does Peter do? He jumps into the water, swims a hundred yards just to be near Jesus. What a picture, friends. It's often the opposite of what we do. We see Jesus on the shore, we jump off the other side of the boat and swim. Why? Because we don't know Jesus the way Peter knew Jesus. Peter knew that Jesus was kind and gracious and merciful, more kind, gracious, and merciful than anyone else. That even in the ugliest moment, the worst lie he's ever told, abandoning his friend to be crucified, when he sees him again, he knows there's grace and forgiveness. John writes, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Here's, here's where this sermon would be terrifying in every other religion. You don't know how God's going to respond. You don't know. You don't know until the final judgment. Maybe you did sin too much. And God's like, you're done. And you just don't know until the final judgment. Christianity says because of Christ crucified in your place, that at any time in your life you confess your sins and walk in the light, the only thing you will find is grace and forgiveness from Jesus Christ. Romans 2 says it's his grace, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repentance means turning back to him. If you're walking in darkness, you're walking away from Jesus. And the only way you'll turn back to Jesus is if you know, if you are convinced that he's gracious and kind. If he's standing there like this, you aren't turning around. You just keep walking. But if he's standing there going like this, please come back to me. I love you. You're making a mess of your life. You're destroying yourself and others. Please, there's grace and forgiveness. Turn around. And we can turn around and find grace and forgiveness. But we have to walk in the light. We have to confess, trusting him with the final outcome. Is it terrifying? Absolutely. But you know what's more terrifying? One day there will be many men and women who stand before Jesus Christ on judgment day. And you may be faked out all of your friends. You may be faked out your spouse, your kids, your neighbors. You faked them all out. And you will receive judgment from the king who there are no secrets with. Better to walk in the light now and maybe experience some awkwardness or some serious difficulty in the eyes of people than in the eyes of the king who loved you and gave himself up so that you could experience abundant life. Here's the last thing I'll say. I know some of us are sitting in this room 
Satan is like, don't say anything. Your secret is safe with me. You've already confessed it to God. If you haven't confessed it to people, you haven't truly confessed it to God. It's walking in the light. There may be for some of you. Some of you have lived so long in lies that it would actually be wrong for you to just start spouting truth in this moment to a spouse or a friend. Like you actually have to do some homework to figure out all of it. Because one of the worst things you can do in confession is partial confession. I've seen this too many times with husbands and wives. They confess some of it two weeks later, a little bit more, three weeks later, a little bit more, and the spouse is like, I'm done. I can't trust you anymore. When you confess, everything must come out. Everything. But today may be the day where you need to tell the spouse or the friend, I need to have a very serious conversation with you very soon. God wants deep intimacy with you and he wants you to experience deep intimacy with people. Would we walk in the light and experience it? Let me pray. Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of truth. You never reveal things in us to shame us or hurt us. You reveal things in us to set us free. Oh, would we believe that today? Whether it's some serious sins that we thought we were taking to the grave with us, or it's just the habitual daily exaggerations and half-truths. Would we confess them to you? Would we confess them to other? Would we find grace? Would we find your forgiveness that you lavish upon us as we step out of the shadows? Just as Adam and Eve, I get the picture of them hiding. You're the one who comes seeking. Where are you? So often we think we're the ones asking you, God, where are you? Where are you? You're, you're coming for us. And your grace and your truth going, where are you? Step out of the shadows. Walk in the light and experience life. We love you. We trust you. In your beautiful name, amen. back the curtain. Um, God wants to dismantle lies this morning. That's his agenda, okay? What many people in the room feel right now is you feel a flavor of humility. That's a clear understanding, a clear view of self, both in the positive sense and in the negative sense. Sometimes the most humble thing you can do is know that you're the man or the woman for the job. Like, I actually have a skill that could be utilized here. 
a clear, accurate view of self, that, that's humility. A clear, accurate view of self isn't just the positive. It, it can also be the, oh man, I exaggerate a lot. Oh man, I'm walking in darkness. Oh man, I got secrets. Oh man, there's stuff in my life that isn't good for me and isn't good for others. What you're feeling, what many of you are feeling in the room right now is a flavor of humility. And here's one of the biggest lies that you and I have ever been told, friends. That's bad. That feeling that you have right now, you try to avoid it at all costs. Here's why that's demonic. You don't, you don't want to avoid the feeling right now. You, you need to run into the feeling that you have right now. If the gospel is true, there's grace. Like, like, like Brad's talking about, there's grace. You know the answer is yes, I forgive you. Come, come into the party. Like the prodigal son, right? One of the biggest lies that you and I have ever been told is to avoid that feeling of humility at all costs. And here's why it's so demonic. Because God opposes the proud. But what does it say in James? He gives grace to the humble. Do you see this? Listen, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize reality, but I'm gonna come at you with some spiritual stuff. Satan is real and he has an agenda. And his agenda is to deceive you and keep you from the Lord. Because if he keeps you from the Lord, you're gonna be destroyed. Because you're just like me. We have no self-awareness and we make really bad choices because we're selfish. I mean, given a temptation. And so I just wanna like, before we respond this morning, I want to just clear the air and every, um, it's so funny, like typically uh, on a Sunday, at this time people are kind of stretching and moving and you're looking around the room. Everyone is like this right now. You don't want to look around. You don't want anybody to make eye contact with you. Listen to me. If this community can't be safe, if this community can't pursue walking in the light with grace and humility, I'm out. I'm not, my kids are out, my wife, we're done. God's intention for us is that we would be a community that walks in the light together with each other and more importantly with him. And so I know this might sound weird, but I need you to do something for me. I'm gonna pull the pastoral card, like biblical authority. I need you right now. I need you to look around the room and start making eye contact with people. I'm serious. This might sound silly, like not just your spouse next to you. I need you to look around the room with the other men and women that are around you and the youth that are around you and recognize that every single person that you make eye contact with needs the blood of Jesus just as much as you do. There's no hierarchy here. It doesn't work that way. If we're gonna be a people, if we're gonna be a community that actually takes Jesus up on his offer of grace and mercy and forgiveness and walks in the light, we have to be people who don't go it alone. Do you hear me? Okay, I'm gonna ask you to stand if you're able. Uh, prayer team, if you are on the prayer team this morning, will you, will you come make yourself available up front? Listen, the reason we lie, hear me, the reason we lie is because we're believing lies. Brad talked about it. Like we don't trust that God's good. We don't trust that he loves us. We don't trust that he's gracious. We don't trust that he's enough. Which all of that is a lie. 
And so therefore, that, that, that seed of a lie that's been sown into us then produces the fruit of a lie. So here's what I, I'm convinced what God's agenda for us this morning and his delivery mechanism is a gift through a brother. His agenda this morning is to dismantle and to totally remove lies. His agenda is to purify us. Do you see it? We've got to get out of this rhythm of being the suburban place where people go to church. No, we are the church and we're in the presence of God together, worshiping him, looking to him, and he has an agenda. He's engaging with us. I want you to peel back behind the curtain and see what's happening spiritually right now. He wants to remove and dismantle all the lies. And it's going to require you acting in faith. It's going to require you making a decision, making a choice to walk in the light. So here's what we're going to do. We got 15 minutes left. You guys know the drill. Two types of people in the room. Priests and patients. Priests, people whose whole life is oriented around worshiping God, around offering praise to him, not to get something from him, but just because he's worthy because he's so gracious and kind and faithful and generous and loving. So we're going to fill the room with praise. And I, I just, I know it. There's many patients in the room this morning. You need care. You need counsel. You need to confess. You, you need to, hey, I need help. I need, I, need, I need faith to confess. Trusted men and women, like, listen to me. There, it's not a coincidence that the specific people are up here this morning, okay? Trusted men and women that can care for you in the process of you walking in the light, not just today, but for the rest of your life because Jesus is worth it, all right? So we're gonna fill this room with praise as priests and we're gonna operate on each other as, as people who need care, patience. And then, um, yeah, we'll close. We'll figure out how we're gonna close. But um, I'm gonna pray for us one more time. Do not miss this opportunity. I'm warning you, do not miss it. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to be men and women, individuals and as a community. Help us to be people who walk in the light. Let it begin with me. Jesus, you're so worth it. We worship because you're worth it. Help us, Holy Spirit, we pray.